0: All right. Hi, Mike. How are you today? Good.
1: Good, thanks. How are you doing?
0: Doing all right. So welcome to another uh, episode of uh, Tales from the Cloud. Um, this, in this episode, we're going to talk more about career. Hi, Mike. we uh, going to talk about our career, I would say, probably so around tech sales, uh, technical sales. Um, last week we ended up talking, uh, we're, we're going to talk about our, our introductions and who we are, we're we doing that. We ended up going to an a enterprise architecture discussion, which was nice. So um, so today we're going to talk more about what technical sales role is, um, what is it, right? And all the, the variances, I guess, we have in the industry and, and in, in Especially for technology, as my, me and Mike are in the software software business, if we can say it's yeah. only software, right?
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, it's interesting to me because, you know, it's a profession I've gotten into. And I found at least when I was younger in the IT industry, it wasn't something that was really emphasized. You know, there was this idea that you'd go into engineering somehow and then different aspects of either IT delivery or management. And no one ever really discusses the career in technical sales, so we just thought it might be interesting to give um, listeners a little bit of a sense of you know what the role is, why we do it, what we like about it, what we don't like about it, and then maybe how you could get into it if it was something that you found appealing.
0: Awesome, and I think it's a great start because you know I just remember my days at Thai uh, University and, and how we never talk about that or we never. You know, know about that so so mike why don't you why don't you talk about a little bit about your uh, transition like i, I mm-hmm. we have a like in this aspect i think we have a very difference uh even you know in a whole career is different but specifically on this one because you have a very you know vast experience in the in the in the industry and then you you kind of move to to technical sales role um yeah. while i started kind of uh you know i basically started this role at microsoft when i started sort of my career so why don't you give us a kind of a uh, Walk through what the solution looks like from your perspective and how you got into it.
1: I think vast experience. I think he's calling me old again, so it's going to be a recurring trend here. So we'll find a different way to do that every week. Um, yeah, how did I get into this? So I'll give you a sort of a tail end of my career before here. I got up to the director level at a pretty good sized company, and you know I think it's easy to say I didn't want to take the next step. I mean, whether I could take the next step is you know not something I have an answer to, but I didn't necessarily want to keep going up the IT management ladder, right? I don't have a huge interest in just the sort of financial side of and planning side of IT. I kind of am more interested in the conceptual side of it. So I wasn't entirely confident if that, that next level, which is also one of the hardest steps you'll make in your career, was right for me.
0: So i also come to do. Sorry ahead. to interrupt, you, but what was the next level?
1: I, I like VP, AVP, something like that.
0: Okay, gotcha.
1: Now, I have no, again, it's easy to say I didn't want to do it. I mean, truth is I have no idea whether I would ever be invited to do that, but nevertheless, um, I did a lot uh, in that role or in, role, in roles previous to that, I did a lot of work w- with vendors. So I had a huge role in kind of managing vendor relationships and building relationships with a lot of the technical sellers who were selling into our company. So I started to really develop an appreciation for the role. You know, what led me into it, honestly, was relationships. So a good friend of mine who was a former boss, um, wound up in one of the vendor roles, and it was very easy for me to kind of follow him in. And that, I mean, the one piece of advice I'd offer is so many people have done this, is make the transition from customer to the vendor or seller side through like a professional relationship. So that somebody you know who sold to you often can bring you into an organization that you'd like to join. And that was kind of how it happened for me. Same thing happened at Microsoft. A former colleague who I've mentioned on this podcast already was at Microsoft as a seller. And she reached out and said, Hey, it might be interesting for us to work together and the rest is history. It'll be five years for me in January. So that was kind of the how mechanically, if you will.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. And, and that's great. Yeah. So, so I had, um, so I, well, I was like taught last week, taught, worked a lot as a software engineer. Um, and then I migrated to a company, to a telco company. And there are, I actually ended up doing um, um, going to a, into an MBA, right? So I and I always had these in my mind. I think a good point that you touched today was how do, we don't understand as we are in either university or at some point in our, car- our career that we can this can be a way, right? That can be a a a role for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we always are. You know, I taught and, and I was, I'm mentoring some of the university students, some university students these days, and they always talk about how can I be a soft engineer? How, how can I, you know, uh, what do you think I should do? What do you think I should? How should I advertise myself? So on and so forth. And I'm like, have you ever thought about you know different roles in the industry? And that's exactly what came to me. I never thought about it. But even in, in the university, like going through computer science, um, I started taking some some classes from uh, from business uh, or, or business management uh, uh, school that was kind of close to our school there. Uh, and I started to kind of understand. That I also like, you know, the business side of things um, as well. So, mm-hmm. what should I do now? Like, because I'm, I know how to program. I know how to code, but uh, it's not like what I really love and enjoy. I like to solve problems, and then kind of come, things come together. Right? Yeah, see, for and, me, it
1: was like I'd I love the like I the problem solving part of coding. <laughs> it was, and I mean, if I had my wherewithal, I would probably just do that because I really just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. The challenge is everything else. Yeah. Ten percent of your job is actually coding. The rest of it's you know these annoying project management meetings and status meetings and operational issues and all that. And it's like I found that starts to almost overwhelm the actual really fun, creative parts of what you do.
0: Yeah, no, that's right, that's right. And and I, I think um, what I what ended up happening to me was that uh, I I went into a Microsoft uh, program called did uh, they the Mac? So mm-hmm. Microsoft Academy College, a uh, Microsoft Academy for college hires for who has. An MBA, and um, I went through the program, and then I got through to the Microsoft Technology Center. Basically, this pro, basically this program is like a two year uh, two year program, right? That you you are a full time employee, um, but you have some sort of uh, courses around that you can prepare you to go further, and it actually gives you an, an an opportunity to a guy like me and other people that do not have that much, i would say, uh, experience. Uh, either uh, in the sales world and in the technical world, right? So so I think it is a good way to start. And, and I think we can, we're gonna probably invite some other folks that are in our team that has actually joined this program through the university, not, not an MBA, and it's gonna be good for to hear from them. But in the end of the day, uh, as we we're talking, part of my interview was actually what you just said, like people asking me, you know, have you had an experience with a vendor Uh, coming to you and trying to sell you something. Mm -hmm. Um, And I actually had a couple of experience back in in Telefonica uh, with a company that I'm not going to say the name, but it was a techno. We are just revamping our portal there, web portal. And... Like we spent, I think, one year of this project and I, I've never seen a demo of a project. Like I've never seen an architecture discussion. It was all PowerPoint presentations about how cool that, that technology was. And I'm like, this, this cannot be like that, right? <laughs> it's not possible. And that's like how, <laughs> how, how I kind of um, understood a little, started to understand a little bit of the, the role itself. Mm-hmm.
1: And what would you say working with vendors, the best sellers did when they interacted with you? If you think back for a moment. Like what? What made a seller good when they were interacting with you?
0: Yeah. So, so if I can think about well, think about a technical sales itself, right? A technical seller itself was around uh, connecting, asking questions, and really trying to go further in understanding what the problem is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not just from asking the first question, trying to solve the issue, um, and but but really going trying to go to the problem and uh, trying to figure out. How, how to help, right? I think that's the thing that I can remember the most uh, and, and actually follow up, following up and, uh, and, and, and giving it some support after the fact, mm-hmm. right? So that's what I can think. Um, what are two, the characteristics that make sense for me? Go ahead.
1: Two that always stuck out to me, um, first one was in some sense, looking after the person you're dealing with because mm-hmm. you always find your customers in some sense when there's a making a change, they have to go out on a limb. Mm-hmm. whether it's adopting a new technology, adopting a new cloud, adopting a new architecture. Somebody's putting, you know, kind of skin in the game. And I found really good vendors acknowledge that, right? And mm-hmm. they didn't just look at it from the perspective of how what they were talking about benefited the company. Yep. It was about how it benefited you as well and how they were going to help look after you. I don't yeah. mean that in terms of gifts and you know bribes and stuff like that. I mean in terms of just making, you know, keeping you whole, right? If you're taking a risk, you're risking your credibility, you're risking your good name to make some sort of change. You know, did you could you have faith that that person was going to be there to back you up? And I think another thing the good ones also did was didn't use you simply as a vehicle to get you to your boss. hmm One of the one of the things I found some really really bad ones do is they only have an interest in the so-called decision maker. Yep you know, the person who's writing the check. And it's a very myopic view because those people often have people around them who they depend on to help make decisions. So I often found the best ones also understood that you had to have relationships at many levels and treat them all with some degree of respect. It wasn't just a question of, you know, the low level peon like me, you know, knowing that I was friends with my boss who was a VP or something like that and thinking, well, you just use me to get to him, right? They would sell to you, they would work with you and then equally, yeah, build up a relationship with those other people, but the good ones at least never made you feel like at least they weren't wanted they were just trying to use you as a stepping stone to somewhere else
0: yeah and like and, and so when, when you think about that i mean we're talking about you know relationship being one of the i think the pillars right uh, of creating yep. a relationship being one of the pillars right um but what what else do you think are are a characteristics correct characteristics Mm -hmm. oh my gosh my english is killing me now it's all good (laughs) (laughs) um but that are you know that make the difference in the in the role itself right
1: yeah you know i think there's a few one a certain element of technical aptitude right you're you know this sounds interesting but you're getting paid a decent amount of money to really just learn technology Right. So yeah. there is an expectation that for the technologies you cover you do have a, you know, degree of mastery. I don't know is a great answer. You're allowed to use it, but not quite as often as you might want to. Right. Mm-hmm. So you are expected to, you know, be able to learn things, pick them up pretty quickly. Uh, presentation and communication. I mean it, it is not necessarily just the PowerPoint job, but you do need to feel comfortable talking to people at many different levels in an organization. You have to be able to articulate you know, value propositions of technology to show empathy for what their situation is. It's easy to come in and pitch cloud. Hey, it's great. It's pristine. It's new. Nothing's wrong with it. That's not the reality of enterprise IT. So being able to also have a degree of empathy with respect to how you're going to take something new and fit it into the existing environment. And one thing I remember discussing you before, and I think it's probably the most interesting thing I think you have to learn to do as a vendor, and that's this idea of synthesis. Uh, This concept was introduced to me through, you know, a gentleman named Alex. He's one of the most brilliant people I've ever known. And he introduced this idea of being able to take perspectives that you may not have experience in common with and be able to synthesize an opinion from that. So to give you an example, you you know, we talk about this concept, whether it's data lakes, all these things. Operationally, we've never built them. Right, most people who mm-hmm. talk, most people who've been in technical sales for a number of years have not been in an IT environment where you've actually had to build such a thing. So the question becomes, what value do you actually bring being able to even talk about it? You've mm-hmm. never done, it, right? Mm-hmm. And in that sense, it's almost the same as you know that a coach brings to team in an athletic environment i say that because i just have the nba opening night on in the background here but you know they're not players maybe they were maybe they weren't but the best players don't always make the best coaches and what they can do in some respects, is take all of the diverse experience that they have on their own and more importantly the perspectives they've gleaned from their customers academia literature etc and then from that be able to synthesize a point of view that's actually convincing and compelling Mm-hmm. right it's challenging because most of us you know we try we work in an experience-based way right i've done this therefore that's good rinse you know wash rinse repeat that's what i'm going to just keep doing mm-hmm. and as a seller i think you need to be able to see what other people are doing because you don't have an operational mandate anymore you aren't yeah. in their building right you're not in their constructing anymore so you have to take what they're doing and distill a sense of correctness almost from it
0: yeah no that's that's true and that's a great great insight i think uh for sure and and you know, what's funny, I, 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 I've I been trying to listen to, you know, reading over, over the, the years of how to be a better, I guess, solution engineer, sales engineer. Oh. And uh, there are a bunch of, I think, even podcasts or, or YouTube around uh, around sales engineer. But there's a guy that wrote a, a book, um, he, I think it's The Six Habits of, um, of hi- Highly Effective Sales Engineer. And oh. i was i was listening to him the other day and he was like yeah you know how i i i when i first started this job i thought that i was going to be an awesome sales engineer because i knew how to talk and how to make a demo at the same time <laughs> <laughs> and i think it's a good a good kind of start because uh you know first instinct is like you know and I remember when i started this job I was like let me let me show you something. Like uh, the guys would say something to me, you would, you know, tell me a problem I'm like, yeah, 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 let me show you a demo on how to do that, right? And it's like you you run and you dash to run a, to do a demo uh, first thing uh, before really even understanding deeper uh, the problem or trying to synthesize, I, I think what you said, mm-hmm. uh, what the problem is and, and really being kind of, uh, uh, you know, if, uh, as I would say, uh, headshot, headshotting, right? Uh, yep. The problem and trying to, because you have to understand that you actually are, part of a sales cycle, right? You're part of a, 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 an overall team that is trying to achieve something. Um, and I, I think this a, resonated a lot to me in the, in the first kind of uh, years of, of my, my career as a, as, a, as a solution market sales engineer. Yep. Uh, right? And uh, one thing actually, well, um, not ju- not changing subjects, but one thing that I, I, I well, I sort of, um, we are in this consumption world today, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and we, we have sales engineers in every, probably in every single vendor out there. So Microsoft, Google has custom engineers, uh, AWS has solution architects, uh, a bunch of other vendors have different names and rules. Uh But now at Microsoft and other cloud cloud vendors, we're really focusing on, on consumption. So these are uh, customer success uh, unit where I, li- I, I am in. Mm-hmm. Um, we are still, I think, in a mixed kind of uh, sense, we are still on, on pre-sales, but we are also kind of uh, post-sales, right? And we have to make sure that um, we don't, um, I'd say, over over-commit on one side or another, because you are with a customer trying to make them successful. And yep. I think that's the biggest difference. Not that before, <laughs> as a sales engineer, you were not, you know, you weren't trying to make the customer successful. But now you're there every day and they need to keep consuming and they need to keep, you know, um, you know, increasing their 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 uh, their consumption by the end of the day. So yeah, it's a big responsibility, right?
1: Yes, if I mean if you know for those who don't, you know, play in this space, consumption is this idea that you know, as a sales engineer, a seller in a cloud world, you're measured more on the customer's utilization rather than on any sort of um, Big purchase, right? Yeah. You compare and contrast how things used to be. Imagine this is Microsoft, right? There's somebody's coming in trying to sell you the latest box of SQL, and they want to sell you as many CPUs of that as they could, and then you know you're not buying any for two or three years, four years, five years, ten years, depending on the customer, right? Mm-hmm. And it had a very different cadence idea was you know you'd pour everything into that moment get the deal and then it's not that you walk away i mean you're there to support but if there's nothing really to be bought you're moving on to greener pastures whereas with cloud it's it's instantaneous dynamic right things go on and off so there's this idea of trying to get the customers to consume more and more over time and if you really get down to the fundamental metric upon which we're all judged at least in a you know quantitative sense that's it Mm -hmm. and it just it speaks to a very different way of you know, thinking, and probably more importantly, acting, right? You have to be there every day. You have to be boots on the ground, uncovering the opportunities, making sure the blockers are removed, understanding the political environment in the organization, because all of those things are impediments to that, you know, sort of holy grail of consumption. Yeah.
0: yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a whole new world, right? Because yeah. I think the industry, not only the software industry, but uh, mostly industries are, are going to this service mode in, in consumption mode, right? where you absolutely you, you have recurrence you you're selling something to someone that has recurrence and, and you, your business model changes a lot and i think yeah. everyone goes is going through that uh, in this new um, new, new era i'd say right yeah. well what I mean. people like to call um, industry 4.0 or 5.0 or digital transformation however you call it but it's it's going to be very different right business models are different evolving so um they're always evolving with it right Everybody wants recurring revenue. You know, you think about one-time purchases, it's like people will hem and haw
1: for two days over when, you know, spending 99 cents on an app, but you get them in a subscription. No, mm-hmm. one, no one thinks about Netflix. It's there. It's 18, 19 bucks a month. If you want the 4K and the four streams and all that, no one even thinks about it. So it's, you know, once you've got that initial hook in, it people just don't care so it's this idea of every business in some sense is trying as best they can to switch to that recurring revenue model the as a serviceification if you will and please forgive the abusive language but um you know turning everything into some sort of service and it has interesting implications too, with respect to ownership you know at some point are you going to actually own your car are you going to be able to fix it or is it just the service you're paying for like everything else right okay. but very much the technology purchase experience is shifting that way. Now, it's funny. I mean, cloud's still a small percentage of the worldwide cloud spend, but in terms of growth, it's, I mean, without a doubt, where all the growth is occurring. So that model's going to become prevalent, whether we like it or not. That's yes, true. And I think it's just, again, it speaks to a very different way of having to behave in a technical selling world because you're, you know, it's not a, it's not one thing you're putting all your energy into and then walking away. Right. If that happens, you'll find very quickly, the long-term implications are bad for you. Your revenue streams are going to dry up because it's easy just to turn you off and turn on
0: someone else. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's true. And I, I think it's, well, yeah, if we could, if I could, like, summar, if we, we could summarize, you know, what are characteristics or characteristics that are important, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, like, the, the, so the capacity of synthesizing, right, a subject, yep. as you mentioned, um, being, I think, being prepared to ask more questions and to really understand what the problem is, right? Uh, yep. That's for sure. Going, going forward. We understanding you are part of a team, I guess, right? You have a sales account, a sales representative, you have an account team, this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, probably always be prepared, <laughs> I'd say. So prepare yourself for a meeting, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, almost almost like in a, te- you know, almost like you are a teacher, right? You are okay. a professor, right? So, and I had the, this uh, little saying in, in back in Brazil as the difference between a professor and a student is like 24 hours. So you have those <laughs> <laughs> you have those twenty four hours to prepare yourself for the next lesson, um, so you can prepare. Then you're gonna teach that, right? And it, yeah. it, I mean, it's not all wrong, right? <laughs> it's, not it's not all at wrong. All. <laughs> there's
1: absolutely a pedagogical element to selling, right? Because yeah. in so many cases, the first time someone's heard of something might be from you.
0: Yeah, you
1: your job if that's not the case, right?
0: Yeah, that's true. And we are living in a different world as well, right? Because information is is now short circuit, right? So yeah. Um, sometimes as we come to a meeting, I'm sure you, have gone through that. And there's probably, um, one, one person that knows more about something than you do. Um, even if in your field, in your, you know, in Microsoft technology, and I don't think it was that common before, like 10 years ago. Right. Um, so no, no,
1: the same courses I can take the same training, I can take the same documentation. I have access to is something customers all have access to. And in many respects, you know, if, if you know, how am I different than a customer? Yeah. In many respects, I expect them to have more low-level knowledge than I do, because again, for the ones who are well into their cloud journey, they're building systems that I'm not building, right? They should know more than me. True. What they shouldn't probably have is the broader perspective. So I would expect in our role we would have breadth. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone, you know, are, are the people who are going to know Azure SQL more than me? Absolutely, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Will they know, you know, the little bit of everything that we have to know? Probably not. Right. And then again, their perspective is usually limited only to their own experience because they just don't have the role that drives them to speak to, you know, 50 customers, 20 customers, 120 customers. Right. Yep. So that's really it. Yeah, it's and it's I never get offended by that. I mean, you might look at it naively and think, well, I should be the most knowledgeable person in the room on every subject. That's impossible. Not at all. Yeah, not at all. It is
0: impossible for sure. Right. They're not not, not asking you to do that. Right. Yeah.
1: anybody who's you know kind of knows what they're doing they're not going to expect you to know more than the people who are operational with the technology
0: and i, and I think this is actually a good tip for people that are looking to getting into this career right um yeah. you know you, you're gonna have to be humble to understand that you're probably not the person that you know knows more around the technology or this and that around the room but um you're you are a person that can as you said connect and synthesize uh yeah. really the problem and, and really have a sense of understanding and and i think that's and, and creating creating uh, relationships. I think really this is even um, more important than how I, where do I click, right? Or, um, Absolutely. What do I do, right?
1: Your, your ability <laughs> to memorize that, which can be Googled, who cares, right? That's mm-hmm. not going to differentiate you. It's in some sense, you know, can you find, you know, do you know where your stuff fits? Do you have some degree of, again, empathy to understand what the customer is looking to do, what they need? And then, you know, having the courage, another interesting skill is having the courage to say this is not the right fit. Mm-hmm. that's a tough one because again there's revenue on the line consumption call it what you will people are judged accordingly right people got no. bills paid, people get reviewed in terms of how they're doing and so real success in this field comes from long-term thinking right it's easy to maybe burn a customer and sell them something they don't need or make a recommendation that's misguided but you'll get to do that once that's right and then you'll be escorted from the account or possibly the company but <laughs> um you know, thinking long-term and being able to actually say, yeah, you know what? A competitor might be the right fit here because that's how trust comes. Mm-hmm. True. And yeah, again, you got to be careful with that. This is not the business you're in, but at the same time, honesty, you know, integrity, because why are they going to listen to you, right? Why are they going to trust you? Why are people going to come to you for advice? And if you don't have those, car- pardon me, characteristics, you're done.
0: So right? being, uh, creating that sense of uh, being uh, a trusted uh, advisor, a trusted person internally, right? more than anything that's what that's how you build uh, the foundations right to, to, to
1: oh absolutely it. i mean if you think about a, if some sort of conceptual pyramid where technical sellers are always trying to get to within a particular customer's account it's always that role of trusted advisor right mm-hmm. and you break it down you know trust do i believe what you're going to say is there a sense of integrity uh, continuity with respect to what we've talked about previously and an advisor right are they going to come to you and just ask for advice yeah. hey we're thinking of this what should we do yeah if you can get to that position you'll have a very fruitful career in technical sales
0: Yep. Yep. All right, Mike. So we are reaching the 25-minute mark here, uh, and I think we are, you know, trying to keep around that time so people can listen to us while they uh, watch the wash the dishes. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Uh, do a walk around the park. So um, just to 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 to, fin- to close. Um, do you have? I, I, I know I talked a little bit about this uh, this guy, uh, he, I think he has a website called Demo Doctor and his yeah. book is Six Habits of, you know, it's, it's interesting book to, to, to kind of, uh, if you are in the role already, it uh, would be interesting. Um, but do you have any recommendations on people kind of uh, you know, trying to prepare for this sort of role or, or how they would look, look like going to an interview or something like that, that you would like to re- just mention?
1: Yeah, I guess I'll do two things just to conclude. One, if you are in an organization that has vendors, which almost every organization does, right, get to know them. Mm-hmm. Ask, ask to sit in on a meeting, reach out, send an email. You know, it, it's you'll you'll get a feel for what their day to day looks like, and it's probably one of the most authentic ways you'll be able to understand if it's a role you might like.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? right. Yeah, 100%. So just connect, you? connect with. Uh, Someone that you, you know, work with uh, from a vendor perspective, try to understand their role, right? And see if it makes sense. And
1: LinkedIn, I mean, I, it's yeah. always the case. I mean, I you know, a lot of people reach out on LinkedIn and it's all usually just some recruiting for some job I don't want. But, yep. like, there's a good number of other people just asking advice about things. And I strongly encourage people to do that. It's like most people don't say no. Yep. So I mean, anyone out there wants to talk to me about technical sales, might might see virtual doors open, right? It's, that's right.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, and it's like that's. So I think that's why a little bit why we are doing this podcast, as we mentioned, yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and yeah, like the same for me. I think you know, I I as I said, I I do have a couple of mentors, or three mentors that I do for university, other folks around that I talk constantly as well. Mm-hmm. So definitely, um, you know, be like people think. Oh, I don't have a. I don't have customer uh, experience, so main, meaning that I, I never worked with, you know, being a vendor with a customer. But remember, you, you were a customer before, right? Absolutely. So you, you probably know a lot about how to deal with, uh, with uh, you know, with a customer for just from your experience. So I think that's yeah. the first one thing that I, I can relate to.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, you know, I don't say my biggest strength is in this role. I have no I mean, that's, that's for other people to decide. But, you know, one of the ones I think is – like I can have a real empathy for customers, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen the bad, I've seen the good I've made, or at least participated mm-hmm. in the buying decision. I've made a few on my own. I've had to wear that. And mm-hmm. when you've done that, you will think about things very differently. That's right. Right? It's, it's one of the cre- real me, key drivers of empathy in the role is having been on the other side, right? I know what the people on the other side are going through. I know what they're expecting. And it makes a lot of difference awesome because it it doesn't it doesn't just you don't just you don't just come across as you know the not that i wear suits i wear track jackets all the time but (laughs) you know the person in the suit trying to sell people things they may not even want right i think when you can come across as authentic and empathetic which is hard to do when you're younger don't get me wrong but when you've got a little mileage on you it's one of the real ways i think i've connected with customers right because i can come across in some sense as being like yeah i've been there you know what i mean i get what i'm talking to you about Mm
0: because i've had to live there too that's right. And Mike just called me, you know, not empathetic because I'm young. No, you <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> All right. Awesome, Mike. So I think, you know, we, we're going to uh, end up for today. I think it was a very nice conversation today. And, um, Always. you know, uh, people, I hope people understand this. This is a chat, me and Mike. Uh, we're sharing this with you and hope you enjoy. I got, we got a great feedback from the first one. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to keep keep going here. Uh, Mike, happy holidays. I think this is, you know, bef- bef- just before recording. We are recording just before December 25th. Uh, true. Happy holidays. And for everyone out there, whatever you believe uh, in life, um, happy holidays. And yeah, we hope that uh, next year is better than this one.
1: <laughs> you all be healthy and uh, we'll see you all in uh, hopefully a week or so. Take care and have a good night.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Mike.